I'm pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so the last few podcasts, I've been talking about unstable. So I'm talking all about the design, sort of how it got made. Okay, so last I left, I talked about the making of the factions. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I called the white-blue faction. It's the... Um, I was calling them the order of the sprocket, but they're actually the order of the widget because we ended up using the word sprocket for our contraptions. So I forgot that. So um, I was listening to yesterday's episode, as I normally do on the way home, uh, and realized that I said that wrong. But I like the episode, so... Okay, I said the word wrong. Um, one of the things that's tricky when you work on something, especially for a long time, is that different things will have different names. Oh, the other thing that I, I think I messed up is I was calling... So it's host and augment, and I think I was calling it suture because that was the name. Instead of augment, it was suture for a while. Um, and I think I called it suture in this podcast. So you get a bunch of old terms because I've worked on this a long time with other names, so I apologize for that. But uh, I like this podcast, so we're leaving it be. Um, anyway... Picking up where I left off, I was talking about the faction. So I want to talk about a few other themes. So yesterday I talked about, or in the previous podcast, uh, I talked all about the um, contraptions, obviously. I talked about the host and augment, and I talked about the dice rolling. Um, there's some few other themes that are woven in mechanically, so let, let me talk about some of those other themes. Okay, first and foremost, uh, we had something that we called outside assistance, which we almost actually gave an ability word to, but we ended up not. Uh, so what, uh, what it is is there's a bunch of cards. I think it's a cycle plus there's an artifact um, where you are required to go talk to somebody who isn't playing in your current game and then you have to do something with them, get information from them, have them make a decision, try to high-five them, that you're doing something which you're bringing a person into the game. Um, oh, actually, there's, there's a cycle, there's an artifact, and there's a gold card. Um, but anyway, the idea is that we wanted to have some variance, and we wanted to sort of create some socialization. We wanted to sort of like, one of the fun things about this set is that it sort of is gonna force you to interact with the environment around you. Um, and the idea that is fun is, look, maybe you're playing in a game store and there's other magic players that are friends of yours that you gotta pull in and have interesting things. Maybe you're playing at home and you call over your mom or you know someone who doesn't even know necessarily what they're saying. Um, you know, we set it up for most of them in which you can ask anybody and they'll, they'll answer the question and maybe, maybe their answer helps you, maybe it doesn't. Um, but anyway, I, I like the idea that one of the things that, um, you know, I talk, I talk about the spectrum of fun to serious, that one of the things that makes magic fun is interactions, is the fact that, you know, like, uh, I've talked about this before, that if you look at the top 30 games in America, 29 of them are video games and one of them is us. Um, one of the, what I actually consider to be an advantage of our game is that there's personal communication. You know, you're not sitting in front of a screen, you're actually interacting with somebody face-to-face. Uh, and that is really powerful, and that I wanted to make some cards that sort of encourage that. Um, and there's a lot of fun, um, okay, I'm not gonna, there's a story that, uh, that, um, that, uh, Mark Purvis, I'm not talking now, because I think Purvis and I can do another drive to work, but, um, Involves only the outside assistance cards. So a little hint to the story to come. Um, okay, also, something else I did is... Um, one of the reasons I did the factions... I, I think I wanted to do the factions for the faction's sake. But something I liked about the fact that I had factions... Was that I could do watermarks. So for those who don't know what a watermark is... On a card... Uh, for example, whenever we do guilds... Or when we did uh, Scars and Mirrodin... And there was the Mirrodins and the Frexians... Um, 
I think we did it when we did um, the, the wedges in Kanta Tarkir, that we create a symbol for them. And then that symbol is behind in the rules text. We call a watermark, which is a light symbol that goes behind the text. Um, now, one of the things about watermarks is there are certain qualities of cards that we're not allowed to care about in Black Border. Uh, and the reason is that, for example, we might reprint a card in a set, and in that set, we tie it to a faction. So it's possible, for example, that there's a card that in the set is connected to a faction so it gets a watermark, but another version of the card doesn't have the watermark. And one of the rules in Black Border about cards is whatever the card is, you go by its English name, and then all copies of the card are treated identically. That it doesn't matter, you know, whether the card has a watermark or not, or, or who, who the artist is. We, all the cards have to be treated the same. So anything that might vary between the cards, such as artist, such as watermark state, such as collector number, you know, such as, you know, there's all sorts of things that we are not allowed to care about in Black Border. That Silver Border, that, that's a great space for us. That silver border has a rule that says you care about the, the specific card you're talking about. If I want to care about an artist, well, I look at the card in play and who's that artist. I don't care about the artist on other copies of the card. I care about the copy I have. Um, and so what that means is that we're not normally allowed to care about watermarks. But we're in silver border land. I thought it would kind of be fun. So having watermarks on, my fa on the factions meant that, A, we could care about the factions in a way that normally you can't care about them. And B, we can make a few cards that care about watermarks in general. Um, there are, like I said, there are a couple cards, that, there's a cycle of cards that care about the watermarks from the set, and then there's a couple cards that care about any watermark, and, and the idea is you pick a watermark and you can build your deck around it, and then that thing helps that watermark. And so, you don't normally get to make watermark matters cards, but hey, it's Silver Border, you know. One of the... One of the fun things, I mean, in my mind, unsets do a couple things. They, they do three things, really. Um, one is they let us experiment with the future. I mean, they, they let us try something that isn't yet part of the game and see how people react. And some of them, as, as shown, sometimes eventually that will become part of the game. Just it's the reason it's Silver Border is it's exploring new space that hasn't been explored before. Um, sometimes it is looking at something that through technicalities the game can't do. Um, Watermark Matters is a good example where it, it's not that Black Border, you know, it, it's pretty straightforward what it does. It's just a matter of Black Border, you know, th there are certain rules and stuff that it, things it can't do based on things for the, whole, the larger system. And so there's things you can do that are understandable that just technically don't work. Um, so the other thing Unset does is kind of make cards that we'd like to make that just for technicality reasons we can't make. Um, you know, Staying Power was a card in Unhinged, for example, where it, it, until end of turn effects didn't end. And that's a fun card, and I really tried to make that in Black Border, and it turns out that, eh, for just some, for some rules reasons it wasn't possible. But, like, it's a cool card. I wanted it to exist in Magic. I wanted people to make decks out of it. Okay, I put it in Silver Border because it can't exist in Black Border. Third category are things that are kind of silly. Like the the whole package is something that we probably wouldn't do in Black Border, even though the component pieces are possible in Black Border. Um, for example, there's a, a card in Unstable called Crowstorm, which it's not that any of the individual pieces couldn't be done in theory. Um, that 
it's more of what makes it funny is the total package. The idea that I'm, um, you know, Stormcrow is a, is a card that has kind of become uh, kind of the Chuck Norris of magic cards. That people joke all about time about the power of it. Uh, and it's just an in-joke. And the idea that you would have a Storm card that gets you Storm Crows called Crow Storm is funny. Uh, and the reason we ended up putting it in our set is it's kind of hard to put in a Black Border set. It's just that's not normally the tone we take. And um, it actually is a card that could be dangerous in some older format. So, like, doing it in a Civil War set let us kind of have fun, do silly, do the, the fun version. Like, what you don't want to do is do a version where you have to neuter it just so it doesn't cause any problems. And then kind of the joke isn't carried as through as you wanted. Um, but those are the three kinds of things that we tend to do is, you know, things that we, things that we might one day do, things that for technicalities we can't do, or things that tonally or you know, something that sort of, there's a reason we wouldn't quite do it in, in normal Silver Border. Okay, so, um, uh, is there anything else? The, uh, the, like I said, there was a little bit of an artifact theme. As, as I get through the factions, we'll talk about the artifact theme. But that, that was another thing that wove through was... Uh, contraptions are artifacts. Um, we're talking Inventor World. They were making artifacts. Uh, one of the factions, obviously, themselves are artifacts. So there's a lot of artifacts stuff that runs through this set. <coughs> okay, let me take a quick drink, and then we'll talk about how the factions divvied up the different abilities. Okay, so first, let me talk a little bit about how we design a normal magic set. In a normal magic set, what we tend to do is we divvy up the abilities. That we don't necessarily put all the abilities in all the colors. Uh, and the reason for that is that we're trying to give color identity. That, oh, well, you know, for example, uh, in, uh, in Ixalan, for example, um, well, that's the bad example, maybe in Amonkhet. In Amonkhet, we decided that we wanted to embalm, and we really put embalm in white and blue. Um, and the idea was that it was something that really was a white-blue thing. And I think we had one red and one green, no black in Amonkhet. Um, and then the, the idea we do this often where is like we focus it in one color. Sometimes it's completely absent from another color. Sometimes we sprinkle it in. Um, this set, I felt like we'd waited so long for contraptions that it felt wrong to isolate contraptions to just one color or just a couple colors. So I'm saying with... Um, Host and, host and augment is I didn't want um, I didn't want you sort of not having the ability to have some fun with the main mechanics. So I spread them through the colors, but what I did do is I put themes and the, the sort of build around cards were put in certain things. So so let me talk to you. So the, the main three themes I had to work with was contraptions, host and augment, and dice rolling. So let's start with uh, the order of the uh, wicked, wicked order of the wicked, no order of the widget, order of the widget. Used to be order of the sprocket, so I get confused. Order of the widget. Okay, so the way it works is um, we decided they were they were the cyborg, so they themselves were going to be artifacts, and so I liked the idea that they had an interesting relationship with um, contraptions, uh, and what that is is that they make use of artifacts. That one of the themes of, of the order of the, um, of the widget is they are all about repurposing artifacts. And since um, one of the cool qualities to contraptions that was set up before I even started this, I mean, 
when we wrote, um, when we first did FutureSight, we made some rules to go along with contraptions. And one of the things is we, uh, we identified contraptions as being an artifact subtype. So I knew I, I, they need to be artifacts. I was playing into that. So the fact that you're building and that you can use artifacts as a resource was kind of cool because if you're building contraptions, it allows you to have the contraption help you as a resource. So we decided that the cyborgs were going to have more of an artifact theme focus uh, and be more contraption focused. But contraptions in a way where they have the tools, they're, they're more fine, they they have the ability to sort of prune their contraption. They have the ability to rearrange their contraption. That they're the ones that build contraptions, but are more um, more subtle and thorough in how they build their contraptions. They they can better craft the contraptions to do what they want them to do. Um, the other the other faction that I wanted to be contraption, you know, to have a, a strong contraption flavor was the goblins because Steam Plugger Boss is what started it all. Um, and I like I like the idea. So the, what we decided to do for Steam Flogger Boss was they're really good at building contraptions, but they don't have the finesse. So the idea is if you want to just make a contraption with lots of pieces to it, having lots of things happen, the goblins are better at that. If you want to build a contraption with a little bit more control, a little more finesse, and you're setting up combos a little a little cleaner, um, the the cyborgs are for that. So the idea was each one sort of. I gave contraptions to two colors, but each one sort of used contraptions in a slightly different way. Um, now, I also, the, the, all of them have some contraption stuff. The supervillains were the third group that I gave a little bit of contraption stuff to. Um, I, I, the idea being that they, um, the supervillains are up to something. And so their stuff, the interactions they get with contraptions are, they take advantage of having a big contraption translates to them doing other things with it. So they're, they sort of make use of their contraption. So their contraption, I mean, the, the supervillains can build contraptions, but they also sort of have larger goals with their contraptions. Um, so each one of them is given a kind of different way in how they do them, what they do with them. Um, okay, then we get to um, host and augment. Um, what we found was that the, the clearest faction that wanted to mess with host and augment was the crossbreed labs because they themselves obviously are creatures sort of intertwined together um and so what we decided to do was to make host suture so we had talked about whether or not the host suture was supposed to be um watermarked and that we originally had made did we end up something we ended up doing um i don't think the host and augment are watermarked i'm not 100 on that they were they were watermarked at one point but it became a little fuzzier. Like some of them were clearly, you know, the artifact creatures made more sense as being from the order of the the widgets. But um, I don't, I don't think we ended up watermarking them. Anyway, the theme of Crossbreed Labs is they're the ones that that play most interestingly with the um, host and suture. Um, we also let the supervillains have a little bit. So like the primary playing with host and suture was the Crossbreed Labs. Secondary was the supervillains who uh, we, we thought sort of the idea of there's a little bit of a supervillain quality to I've taken, you know, a pony and crossed it with a camel, had a little bit of a supervillain feel to it. So um, so we gave, so like supervillains were not primary in anything, but became secondary in a bunch of different things. Um, that they were kind of the, the group that messed with inventions and contraptions and messed with host and augment. Um, and they also messed with dice, we'll get to that in a second. Um, 
So then the, uh, the final thing was, was figuring out who interacted with dice the most. We liked the idea that um, the, the goblins loved dice and loved the randomization of dice. So they, they tended to let you roll more dice. And they were more often used dice to determine things. So the goblins more often result to randomness because that's the nature of goblins. But the spies, we thought it was neat if the spies had more um, the ability to manipulate the dice. They let you re-roll the dice or increase dice rolls so that the spies, when they interact with dice, more control the dice. So the spies are less random and more controlled, and the goblins are more random. So the goblins more often use dice as a means to understand things and are more likely to roll more dice, um, but the spies have more of the ability to interact with the dice to do that. Um, we also gave the super villains a little bit of dice rolling um, just because they kind of sat in the middle because um, we gave some dice manipulation in black for the... Um, so the, the spies have blue-black manipulation and the red-green have dice rolling for the goblins. So there was a nice cross-section where black had a little bit of finesse and a little bit of, of die rolling. So because black and red each had some of that. Um, the other big thing that we did for the factions was we would try to understand what each one, each one of them was up to. Um, oh, another thing that I did, by the way, is I, I was in charge of doing the cosmology. Normally, we build a world. The creative team will do a lot of world building. Um, but we didn't, they, there wasn't as much allocation. Um, usually, supplemental sets get less time. Um, and there still was an entire set. Like, there's a whole set to concept, and, you know, there's a lot of work to make. There's a lot going on. Um, so when I was putting the set together, I, I spent some time working on sort of the cosmology. Um, and one of the things I wanted is I wanted each faction to function very differently from the others. Um, so let's walk through the factions. So um, first is the cyborg. So I love the idea that the leader of the cyborgs was essentially a computer. I mean, a a magic fantasy computer, you know, a, a, a steam, a steam-powered computer, if you will, but uh, or steam-powered slash magical, you know. Um, but the leader, uh, the idea is the leader of the cyborgs is somebody. Uh, the idea was, uh, th- as the story goes, he was once a man, but he is a man no longer. You know that he started at or person, I guess I, I don't know the gender necessarily. Um, that it started as a person who kept upgrading themselves to the point at which. They were no longer a person and were now a computer. Um, and in the set, there is a legendary artifact that represents... So it's not even a creature. It's just a legendary artifact that represents the, the, the leader of the, um, of the, uh, the uh, order of, of the widget. Um, next was the spies. I like the idea that the spy was a shadowy organization and that the upper... That, that there was a hierarchy, but that it was a little bit foggy. That the idea was... Not every, you know, that, for example, the person running, um, running the, uh, the spies was like people, you know, it, it was sort of this mysterious figure that people didn't know that much about. Um, and then I also wanted to make sure that there was some like master spies and things, um, that people looked up to. But the idea was sort of borrowing from some like James Bond, like, well, you have your star, you know, James Bond type, um, spy that people look up to. Uh, and then you have kind of the, you know, M that's sort of like, ah, eh, people don't know everything. You know, it's sort of like, uh, and in fact, we wanted to be a little shadowier, shadowier than that, where it's like, people don't quite know. It's kind of a mystery boss. And, um, 
I like the idea that there's just there's some the person pulling the strings is is kind of hidden, uh, and that's just a play on the spy metaphor. So the idea is the spies, you know, the agents of sneak have a hierarchy. Um, it's just a little bit clouded, and then not everybody quite everybody kind of knows who they report to, but they don't necessarily know people above there. Above, above you know, the chain of command gets foggy as you go higher. Okay, then you got the supervillains. Well, the supervillains I decided had to have a cadre of supervillains that they had a um, sort of a league, if you will. You know, they're a league of death. They do that. They had um, there were a bunch of different supervillains, and so there's a bunch of different supervillains in in the in that tribe um, that sort of they meet together, and then they as a group make decisions. Um, that each one of them has their own subsection, and they kind of rule their subsection, but. I love the idea of the supervillains, like nobody trusted each other, so, at the, you know, there's sort of a, there's the cadre at the top that are, the, you know, the, 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 the biggest villains, and that they don't really get along, but kind of there's this tension, and that, I like the idea that their hierarchy is, there's no one person in charge, because no one, nobody trusts the other person in the supervillains, and I thought that was very fun. Um, the goblins have no leadership. Um, there is, um, there is some... There is, like, goblins that others look up to because they're kind of like, you know, the masters of what they do. Um, so there's admiration, but the idea actually is the goblins is a democracy. That the goblins all, I mean, I mean a true democracy. Like, if the goblins want to decide something, all the goblins get in a room and all the goblins vote on it. That, uh, I love the idea that the, in some ways the people with the fairest, the fairest run, um, the fairest run organization is the goblin. Now it's kind of chaotic because the goblins are chaotic, and you know what the goblin like. How the goblins choose to vote is is highly chaotic. Um, like one of the things we wove through. Um, this was creative came up with this, but it was funny. Is this idea that they are obsessed with hammers? They're just obsessed with hammers, and so that a lot of times, like I, I like to believe that you know sometimes if you want to get something through. You just promise everybody a hammer, and you, you get stuff through. They'll, they'll vote for you. Um, now, the Crossbeat Labs was the trickiest. I like the idea that it was a collective. I like the idea that, because it's white-green, that the group is looking out for itself. Um, but the thing I liked is the idea that there are leaders, and the leaders are, are, are chosen from within, that they sort of have proven themselves from within. And so... Um, the Crossbeat Lab does have people that are, rule it, but very much um, kind of the rise to power in the Crossbeat Labs is that you've shown some sense of perfection, that one of the big things for them is this idea of have you found your true inner animal, you know, that what, that, that part of the discovery process in the Crossbeat Labs is, you know, what is your true torso, and what are your true legs, and what is your true head, and and the ones they really come to admire, and the ones that end up taking a leadership role, are the ones that really understand that. And um, the CrossFit Labs is is also a school uh, it, it, that so the the people in charge are not just sort of in charge; they're also the teachers. Essentially, what happens is sort of the people that are, have proven the most experience become the teachers, and that's the leaders of the CrossFit Labs. Um, and you know their main leader right now is a doctor, you know, like he he's he's smart, and so they really value sort of that education and that knowledge. Um, it, it, 
not in the sense because I mean obviously they're not blue, but in the sense of he he truly has sort of found his ultimate form, and that he can share that with others, and that he's sharing sort of his wisdom. I guess they're more wisdom related than they are knowledge based necessarily. Um, but anyway, so each one of them was given sort of a a, a general feel, um, and then. So one of the things is I decided that I wanted to make sure that I spread the themes into all the colors just because we don't make a lot of unsets. And the last thing I wanted to do is make a really cool thing, only let some colors do it, and then, you know, the next unset, assuming we would have another unset, like, who knows how long till that would happen. Now, the big thing about, okay, so now I've I've gotten all the themes. and, and I, I, I worked real hard, and I worked with the creative team. Oh, so let me explain. Uh, so what happened was I built the five factions. I and my team built the five factions. Um, and then the creative team brought in some artists. Um, normal world building is like a three-week. I think we had, we had a week, I think. But, um, but the idea was I explained each, each, of the, each of the factions and the essence of what they were about. And then the artists went to town. And, and the artists were obviously given this vein of, look, this, you get to be lighter, this is funny, this is humorous. Um, and so they turned the cyborgs into these steam-powered creatures that had a, um, a very... And the, the thing I kept talking about is how that they, they kept sort of adding mundane objects to themselves. And so they worked that in and gave them a very kind of fun look. Um, for the Ancients of Sneak, um, they really played around with how to sort of hit spy ideas but be over the top. Um, another thing they, they worked with, not just what the people looked like, but what, their, what the um, inventions looked like, because these were mad inventors. And so they had a lot of fun with kind of the, all the spy equipment and what they were up to. Um, then with the supervillains, uh, they weren't very stylized. You know, they, they, the idea of um, what, what, what do the... What do the so for a while in the set we had uh, these things called goons that ended up become called brainiacs. And those are the creatures that have like brains in a jar on their head. Um, and the idea is we wanted some henchmen. We knew that we knew we had had have henchmen in the in the thing. So in, in each case, as they were drawing, we we talked about the needs we'd have of that of that faction. Like we needed henchmen for the supervillains. Um, and we wanted different, different major characters. You know, they started doing some character work because we wanted different sort of um, su- different sub-factions of the supervillains. Um, and then, um, then for the goblins, they sort of figured out kind of what the goblins looked like. I think the obsession with hammers came from this part. And, and just kind of what exactly is, do our steam floggers and... You know, and how do the goblins function and stuff like that? That was all worked out. And then Crossbreed Labs is the one where I think it went from an idea. In, you know, it, it went from this weird idea to, to something real. Real. I talked about how we wanted these hybrid animal things, and um, they went to town with it. You know, the artist had a blast. And the Crossbreed Labs went from being the things that everybody was like what to like oh wow that's that's awesome. You know that it. The Crossbreed Labs really shown during this week of, of um, maybe a week or two, of sort of world building. Um, okay, so once we had our world building, we had our factions, we knew what they looked like, we had our mechanics, they were intertwined. So another big thing about the unsets is sort of individual card design. That one of the cool things is 
when you can do anything you want, when, when, when the shackles are, are taken off. Um, one of the things I want to make sure is I want to make sure that all, um, that we're hitting a, a lot of different things. So first thing we did is we went and looked at are there things in which, what are the expectations people would expect? So there were some cycles that we had done in both unglued and unhinged. Um, we looked at all of them and we tried to design cards for all of them. In the end, we only kept the cards where we think we really had done something cool. Um, so for example, we did make an Infernal Spawn of Infernal Spawn of Infernal Spawn of Evil. Eh, it, it just, the problem was um, the first one worked well in your hand. And the second one worked well in your library. And like, we, how, we, there's no more farther back to go. And we played around with stuff, but it just felt like there wasn't mechanical space to make it work. And that we were sort of, I didn't want to just do a joke where it was a joke and you laughed at the card and then the card wasn't fun to play. It wasn't interesting to play. Um, but for example, there were other themes, like for example, we had done Timmy uh, in the first set in um, Unglued. We had done Johnny in the second set. Like, well, got to finish the psychic graphics. So we did do Spike. Um, so we so we, we tried to figure out where there were things. And the other thing that I did is I went back and I looked at cards that had been really popular in previous onsets. Um, stuff like, um, uh, you know, the, the, the sub-games, the... Um, the, the putting thing well putting things together ended up being host and, and augment um, vile bile or cheaty face or you know I, I took cards that, that I knew people had fun with or yet another yet another ether vortex and I kind of figured out what was kind of cool about the card and then try to make something that was different but sort of played in similar space um, you know like yet another vortex was really this fun idea of something coexisting in two zones at once that it's both on top of your library and on the battlefield. And there was a lot of neat interactions there. So like I looked for a card that, that got, uh, got you in two zones at the same time. Two, a different zone. I mean, battlefield's one zone, but I, I now played around with the hand, obviously. Um, and so the idea is I really was sort of goofing around with finding themes that people had liked previously and doing one of cards. Um, and then there also were some cards that like, Whenever I try to get something in Black Border and it gets stopped by the rules team, I, I save it. I'm like, oh, that's a cool card. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we can't do it technically in the rules, but I like it, and so I will save it. Um, and there's a bunch of cards that show up in the set where I really did try. Like, one of the things that people are going to say to me when the set comes out is, hey, why is this in Black Border? And like I said, beginning of the podcast, one of three reasons is going to be it. Either, yeah, maybe one day Magic will do it, but it hasn't done it yet. Um, yeah, you might think it works, but the rules really don't let it work. Or this total package is hard for us to actually do. In the it's not that the pieces aren't possible to do, but it's the, 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 the whole package as a, as a, together with tone and everything. It's something that um, we wouldn't do in a way that I think would satisfy people, but we could do it in that way in the Silver Border set. Um, and so I made a lot of different cards. Um, the other thing that we did is... Oh, oh well... Part of what we had to do is I had to make the cards that hit our themes and reinforce our themes. I then made some cards to help interconnect some of the themes so that there's reasons. Like, one of the things I want is you might make a contraption deck or you might make a dice rolling deck, but maybe you make a contraption dice rolling deck. I wanted that to be a possibility. Um, or maybe you want host and suture and you want dice rolling. I, I did some crisscrossing of stuff so that 
you know, I wanted the themes to show up in, in, in number. Um, also, it's fun in that um, both both contraptions and dice rolling, you can play in lower number, um, and even host and augment, you can play plenty of host creatures. Like, if you're playing a bunch of host creatures in your deck, eh, sometimes you can throw in an augment card. Uh, I mean, you need... Host and augment is the most AB of the mechanics, so you, you do need enough hosts. But hosts, are, there's a lot of them, and they're pretty generic in that they're just ETB effects. So there's really no damage of putting host creatures. There's no harm that if you never see your augment cards, the host creatures work fine. So you can put a bunch of host things in your deck and then throw an augment or two, even if you're not playing a lot of hosts. Um, but I really was trying to sort of do that up. And then um, one of the things that happens over the years is there's times when I or somebody else come up with a card. Like, often, kind of people have been trained that if they come up with an idea that doesn't work in Black Border, they send it to me. You know, hey, we, we, made this, we made this in a set, but I don't think we can do this, or here's a cool idea, or here's a riff on something you've done before in an unset. Um, and I keep those. I collect those. Um, so another part of sort of designing an unset is finding all the component things and in individual cards. Um, like, for example, there's a card in the set called Animate Library. Um where we've joked about that card for, for, for a few years, and I'm like, you know, I just like, oh, we should make it. Like, like it, it started as a kind of a joke, because you can't actually animate your library in Black Border. Um, uh, and, you know, for example, like, in order for it to work, then your, your library would have to be on the battlefield, because you can't attack unless you're on the battlefield, or unless rules let you attack, you know. Um, it gets kind of messy in the Black Border rules. Civil Border, like, eh, whatever. Um, but it's a card we had talked about, and we finally were able to actually make it. Um, and there's a lot of those, there's a lot of individual cards like that. So, like, one of the fun things about the unsets are that um, I want to leave room to have a lot of fun. You know, I want to have themes. I want to make sure... Oh, let's start drafting for a second. Um, we originally tried to make it uh, for sealed and for draft. And what we found was a lot of our themes, um, in order for them to work in sealed, we had to up the as fan of them. Um, but if we did that, then we could play around with less themes. And one of the things is, we don't make a lot of, of Silver Border product. I really, I wanted it to be pretty dense. I knew it was an introductory product, and I, we don't get to make a lot of, we don't get to make a lot of, um, of unproducts. Un so I wanted to make sure that we were delivering enough that for the fans, this is, you know, um, even if we make another one, and, you know, knock on, knock on dashboard we do, um, it's going to be a little while before we made another one, and that I want to make sure that we, um, we're maximizing what the product can offer. And so we decided that rather than try to make it for sealed, and, so, and in events that maybe we played once, I mean, the set doesn't even have a pre-release, it just has a release event. What if we just said, you know what, in the release event, draft it. Conspiracy, you drafted it, that's what you did. So we're like, okay, this is like conspiracy, it's just meant to be drafted. And that allowed us to sort of tie some themes together and allowed me to concentrate some stuff so that when drafting, you could get enough things to make the theme work. Um, and we really spent a lot of time trying to make it fun for drafting. Like I've said in the previous podcast, there's a lot of variance in it to make sure that, you know, it's a small set and I want you to be able to draft a small set unto itself and that I want to make sure that you, you have different experiences. It's not the same game again and again. And so we purposely made it dense in themes. We made those themes crisscross in color so that you can try themes out in different colors. Um, there's a lot of individual build-around stuff, more so than a normal set. So there's definitely individual cards you can get like, okay, this is a weird card. Let me, you know... There, there are a bunch of, of uh, rares and few uncommons, for example, where if you open it, you're like, okay, I'm doing this. 
I'm all in. Let's see what, I, what can happen. Um, and so we really sort of built a lot of things. Um, the other thing I tried to do is I knew that Silver Border gets played in Cube a bit. So I tried to make sure that there was a bunch of themes that could go into Cube. Um, obviously, um, uh, I knew stuff like contraptions and dice rolling and host and augment. We're, we're on the silly side, but all were... They, they're, one of the things that, uh, in general, that I try to do is there's a lot of themes that people like. and There's some themes, what I'll call fringe themes. For example, um, uh, things that involve dexterity. Like I, I've done in the past, things where you're, you're balancing things or holding things or can't use body parts. And that um, there's people that really get into that. It's kind of fun. Like it's not often I have to play magic, but both my hands are behind my back. You know, you don't, that doesn't happen much. So I wanted a little of that, but there's other people that it's not their favorite part of it. So what I tended to do is get little pockets of that. I concentrated it. Like the physical stuff's more in black. So if you really, really dislike the physical stuff, well, maybe stay away from black. Or even then, it's not a high theme in black, so you can play black without doing it. Um, but that's something I worked on is trying to make sure that all these little themes that people appreciate show up enough that if you want, if, if you want to kind of build around it, you can. Um, they're not so high that you necessarily will build a, a whole limited deck on it, but there's enough that if you want to sort of build a deck, especially if you combine it with previous unsets, that you can build a deck and do some cool stuff around it. Um, and then for drafting, I, I worked really hard to weave those themes in. For Cube, I tried to make sure that there were plenty of cards that did cool, fun things, not in a wacky way. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't some cards that are a little on the sillier side, because some people like that. But I wanted to make enough cards that are kind of offbeat but practical it's for cubes. And then I just made sure to have a lot of legendary creatures. Um, not every legendary creature was necessarily made um, for Commander. Um, there was some fun character stuff we did, and I knew that um, I knew that the, I wanted to make some neat interactive cards. Um, but I tried to make sure that some of the legendaries really, really would let you do fun and goofy things in um, in, in Commander. So I was I was conscious of making sure that some of the legendary stuff, and I made more legendary stuff than normal, so that we'd have more shots at Commander. Um, I will stress, not every legendary creature was made for Commander. Um, that as it's true in normal magic. Sometimes we just have a cool idea, the character represents something in our story, and, and you know, it's legendary for, for reasons beyond um, Commander, because Commander's not the only reason something's legendary. Um, oh, another theme that I wove in, although this, this theme's getting a little overblown, was a little overblown in the previews, or before the previews, because uh, I, there's, there's a squirrel theme. It's not a giant theme, um, I put enough squirrels in that if you wanted to make a squirrel deck, you could. It's a green-black deck, interestingly, if you want to play a squirrel deck. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the cosmology things I played up was it was a mad scientist world, and they, they've done so much experimenting that they eradicated uh, mice, that the white mice they used got eradicated, and they were forced to turn to squirrels for all their lab experiments. So they're lab squirrels. Um, that's a little detail that I, I like about it. Um, it, it was fun building that. Um, but anyway, we spent a lot of time making sure that... I mean, so the way it worked was it was in design forever. It was in design for many years. And then it was in development for many years. In fact, we had three different lead developers. Um, Billy Moreno was the first lead developer. Then Dave Humphreys was the second lead developer. Uh, and then um, Ben was the, uh, the, final, um, the, the final lead design. Um, and each of them... 
uh, you know, definitely added something to the file. Um, we spent a lot of time and energy actually doing development. Um, Unglued had almost zero development. Unhinge, uh, Randy Bueller was on the team, so I had a developer on the team to kind of, from the team, help with development. But this is the first set where I had a development team. Now, I was on the development team. Um, um, the development team, in fact, Mark Purvis and I, two of the biggest, uh, were both on the development team. Um, the other members of the team moved around a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I actually, this is the one product, not the product I can say that in. I was in the very first meeting of the very first design all the way through the very last meeting of development that I did it. I, I was in every meeting for the entire run. Um, I also was the architect for the product. So I was, there are, there are a few products I was more involved with at every level. Um, I even worked really hard with Kelly on names and flavor text. So I, mean, I, was, I was involved at every level of this product because um, if you can't tell, the unsets are, are my baby. So anyway, that, my friends, in three podcasts is the, uh, the design of Unstable. I will at some point do podcasts on individual cards. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to do that. There's a lot, a lot of stories from individual cards. I will get to that. But I, I didn't want to have too long a run. So this is going to be it for now. I will come back another time and do some, some un, unstable cards. Um, but anyway, I'm now at Rachel's school, so we, know, we all know what that means. This is the end of my drive to work. So I hope you guys enjoy Unstable and enjoyed all my stories. But it's time for me, instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.